Welcome friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our paths may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life. And we both know that that life starts inside of you. If you want to say goodbye to anxiety, frustration, and negative self-talk, and say hello to peace, mindfulness, gratitude, and living your best life, you've come to the right place. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not social conditioning, and not your past. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready. It's time to feel incredible from the inside out. Hello, welcome. Thanks for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. If you enjoy this conversation, the absolute best way that you can always support is by sharing it on social media and with the people that you love. Also, you can always support by popping over to iTunes and leaving a review. Leaving a review ensures that the algorithm really pushes the podcast so other people around the world get notified about it. So thank you so much in advance. Also make sure to stay at the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your health. All right. So if you've ever been faced with a medical diagnosis, it can be relatively easy to return back to that moment, to return back to those feelings that often include uncertainty and fear, and the question of why me. Further, getting a worrying diagnosis is even more challenging when we don't have a practitioner or a doctor that we can trust to be there for us through all of it, someone who deeply believes that we can heal. And so that's where Jeanette Carbajal's work comes in. Jeanette is a globally recognized cancer and disease business mentor who helps entrepreneurs struggling with a recent diagnosis take back control using her proven methodology. As a master of helping her clients embrace a unique healing roadmap so they can feel secure in the journey ahead, she helps them find a sense of peace and control and stability in that midst of uncertainty. She's been named one of the top eight women shaking up things by Yahoo Finance and has been featured in a number of popular magazines and media outlets, including CBS, NBC, Fox, Market Watch, and more. And so today we're talking about the one thing that she desires to change in her lifetime, which is really stopping the trauma of being diagnosed. And so if you're ready to upgrade the way you interpret a health challenge, so you're left feeling more grace and empowerment, and shift from surviving to thriving in the unknown, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. I'm really excited to dive into all things from the inside out. Yeah, I am so excited that you're here. I'm so excited that our paths crossed. And I remember Nick Pigeon during the pandemic kept saying, I have this amazing human you have to meet. And it was like waiting for the pandemic to be over. And then she's like, I'm going to bring her to your house for this dinner. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I loved that I got to hang out with you during dinner. And then we got to connect later and really dive deeper into your work and all the amazing beliefs, philosophies, and modalities that 
that you're using to help people heal. And so I kind of wanted to start there. I wanted to kind of begin this conversation with how you got into this powerful work of, of really helping entrepreneurs struggling with a recent diagnosis and um, how you help them take back control of their their lives through this unique process. But really what got you into this work to begin with would be great for, for the listeners to hear as well. Mm, well, many, many moons ago, I was a very young and reluctant caregiver. So I did, you know, the right thing. And I became a caregiver to my grandmother, mother and father all at the same time. We were all diagnosed with different diseases, conditions and cancers. And what ended up happening is we realized that we were the sickest people that we knew. And it was really because of our environment and Mm -hmm. our environment was our workplace. And um, once we started realizing that we were all either in the doctor or in the or hospitalized within two weeks of each other, we're like, something's got to give. And then I became a, I think I was 23, a 23-year-old caregiver to three elderly, a senior and and two elderly people. And I realized really quickly how fast my health declined, how fast boundaries get blurred, Mm -hmm. and how Mm -hmm. there wasn't a handbook on how to handle not just caregiving, but health grounding within um, disease. And so I was like, oh, I need to create like some kind of process for me just to feel sane. Um, And then that process started becoming something that people would ask me for. And quickly I turned into this person that everybody came to when there was some kind of diagnosis and they didn't know what to do and they needed Mm to find a footing first before making a decision or before having a difficult conversation. Mm. I love that. And the conversation we had, which is so interesting because it was similar to what my dad went through, was that often there is trauma behind the diagnosis. And so I would love to dive a little bit deeper into that because when I remember when my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer, he had this experience of, you know, it's terminal, you have X amount of time to live, there's really no options other than some Western protocols that could basically extend your life a little bit longer. And I remember him very specifically saying, I'm not going to allow my subconscious to attach to that truth. I have Mm -hmm. to reprogram that part of myself that was this diagnosis by doctors who I believe from their limited experience are telling the truth or they're, you know, they're speaking from their, their knowledge of everything that they've seen in the past. But my truth has to be something different and I'm going to trust in that. And so he had to go through this whole unwinding of that belief that was imprinted in his subconscious. I know you work on this as well, which is really that the diagnosis and the part with, with hearing what, you know, could be our potential outcomes. There's this trauma or this traumatic experience around that. And I would love to just hear a little bit more about how you help people shift that and, and rethink that that experience in and of itself. Yeah. So, I mean, your dad was spot on, you know, the way that he was, he handled it and how he was able to, to start, like you said, unwinding that process and what was being said to him. I just want to say that, like, that's incredible. Not many people have the courage to not just think that, but say that out loud and and to share that opinion with family. So what an amazing man you have. What I would say is I'm all about accepting a diagnosis for a little moment. Now, Mm -hmm. when you go to like acupuncture, and I think I shared this with you, when you go to acupuncture, the 
the physician normally tells you, hey, you have a liver deficiency, a blood deficiency, but don't worry, we're going to fix it at the end of today. This is only what you have right now. This is not who you are. And I remember somebody telling me that. I was like, what if we just saw a diagnosis that way? It is where we are at at this current moment, and we could use it in order to navigate our next step forward, but not so much to be stuck somewhere and identify with it. So when I'm working with people, I normally tell them, you know, accept the diagnosis for now. It, it, it gets us on the right, um, it gets us on the right level of what direction you want to go to. Then you can choose if you want to go right or left. Um, but secondly, reject the prognosis. There is mm. nobody, there is absolutely nobody who knows you and what you've gone through and what you've survived that can tell you that your body is going to do A, B, and C when you have overcome the odds many, many, many times. And so in that process, most people just say like, yeah, sure, that's a great idea. That's a great concept to reject the prognosis, but I'm living in, in a little fear storm right mm-hmm. now. So we actually mm-hmm. go into, um, I actually do, um, it's this thing called Timeline to Power. And so we go through their life and we talk about all the struggles that they've had. And then we have this like chart on the left side, we write down like, what were we fearing in that current moment when we claim that as a struggle? And then on the opposite side, we write, what did we learn from that now in retrospect, 10,000 feet above um, that moment in time? Mm-hmm. What did you learn? And then we start to look at that list of strengths. We, we name it as strengths. And then we say, okay, you've, you have all of these attributes and strengths and qualities and things that you've picked up that are not just survival tactics, but they are who who make you the strongest person and the only person qualified to go through this diagnosis, this current diagnosis that can change the trajectory of all the statistics going forward. And so that's like the timeline to power to help them feel empowered. And yeah, that's, mm-hmm. kind, of, that's kind of how I start doing that. Yeah, it's so powerful. And I think this part about accepting what we have been diagnosed with is part of the piece that is often overlooked and missed as well. I know it's so easy to go into the avoidance of that acceptance and to use you know, certain things in our lives, whether that be food, sex, drugs, alcohol, addiction to work, addiction to different you know, experiences and things to avoid what is also true. And so I do agree that there has to be that moment of acceptance and there has to be the willingness to say, okay, this is true and then I'm experiencing this in my body now. And what does my future look like in this acceptance by changing the momentum of the direction I want to take for my life. I'm curious in terms of working with practitioners, because we talked about this before, that so many coaches, so many practitioners, so many doctors go into their line of work because they personally have had trauma. They personally have had hurtful experiences or wounding or even have overcome their own health struggles. And so they're doing it from this place of wanting to inspire and wanting to help other people. But yet in that, there's often projection and there's often the work that hasn't been done yet, which then gets placed on their clients or their patients. And so I'm curious in terms of, you know, interviewing practitioners, choosing the right doctor, choosing the right person to work with on your healing journey. Do you have some simple steps or practices that you encourage people to make when they are 
deciding on these important choices. I personally believe that individuals choose their path to healing based on their vibration and their energy and the energy of the healer that they choose or the practitioner that they choose that impacts their journey to healing as well. Yeah. So totally loaded question. And I can talk yeah. about this for hours. Yeah. yeah. Um, to, to start off is knowing that the person that is, you know, holding your medical chart and is someone that is suggesting suggesting either medication or a treatment plan has to be someone that loves you and that you love them. So honestly think of it as dating, okay? And just as if you were dating and you do that whole what if game, right? You date someone, you're like, oh, what if we have kids? What if we get married? And you just play like this what if game just to see what the potential outcome might be in the future. You kind of have to play that what if game with your physician. And so like, what if I change my mind two years down or a year down the road? What would that look like? How would you help me stop doing this? Or how can we change the path? Or what would it look like if I actually said I didn't want to do this part of your plan and I only wanted you to do this for me? You kind of have to play that what if game because one, you're going to find out really quickly if they are willing to be an asset to you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay? rather than, you know, and unfortunately so many people tell me that there's a lot of aggression when a patient even asks or advocates for themselves. So you'll find out really quickly if that physician is for you. And also another key indicator that every single, every single one of my clients have said is my, my doctor, my physician, my practitioner that I work with put their hand on my shoulders or they touched my hand and that let me know that they really cared and they were in it with me and that they understood my pain and they felt my pain and they weren't going to allow me to feel in pain with them by my side. And a, a, just a simple gesture of just touch mm. Mm. really allowed them to like step into, into that. Mm. Absolutely. And something I found too is I always ask, and this is what I've been recently doing with this um, endometriosis diagnosis. I, I I ask, do you believe I can heal this? Like, do you believe that this is this is something that can be healed? And it was interesting because I've been getting mixed thoughts. Half you know, half of the practitioners like, no, you're going to have this the rest of your life. And then on the complete flip side, there's the it can absolutely be healed. You know, this is not something that you have to to experience this pain and the discomfort the rest of your life. You know, there are very specific protocols and ways in which other women have healed this. And so it's interesting, right? And I think often when we hear that diagnosis of you're always going to live with this, that also goes into the subconscious and then you start to create that reality. And then it's like, well, why should I even take the step for, forward to, to, to make the change or make the effort to heal if it's going to be part of my reality forever? And that's what I see with a lot of my clients. It's that initial diagnosis of it's always going to be part of your life where even with my autoimmune, with, I, I met with Dr. Gundry when my, I had autoimmune going into the red that were, was showing signs of lupus. And he was like, oh, this is 100% fixable. And it was so incredible to hear a doctor say, you can absolutely heal this, no questions asked. And I think that that's part of the journey of the educational piece and then also exploring practitioners who, who believe that it is possible for you. I'm also going to say another thing. Yeah. The difference between, and I'm going to ask you that the physician mm -hmm. that told you about endometriosis and this um, this last doctor you just mentioned, 
are they both in private clinics? So Dr. Gundry is, yeah, so both in private clinics, yep. So sometimes a lot of practitioners in larger clinics and hospitals, unfortunately, can't say that. Mm, Yeah, right. Because it is. And that's because of the way that the system is in place, right? Yeah. So unfortunately, there's a lot of people who ask those questions, like, do you believe I can heal? Is this reversible? Like, And unfortunately, a lot of practitioners can't really share their opinion. They have to do it based on um, procedures. Mm-hmm. In the hospital and clinic. It's frustrating. <laughs> like, I feel my body getting really triggered right now. <laughs> right. It's really frustrating. It's really, yeah. really frustrating. Um, yeah. And so, the best thing you can do is, you know, play the what if game. Mm-hmm. You're not asking them for a hard yes or no. You play the what if mm-hmm. game for a little bit. Then you ask them, are they in it with you and are they willing to pivot with you the whole way through? Will you be okay with me using alternative, integrative um, support at home as well? And and those are some great uh, questions to ask when when the location um, is stopping your practitioner from speaking how they really feel. Yeah, and it's interesting too because with my dad, he went the alternative route and then went back to his doctor, and his mm-hmm. doctor didn't really care to know what he did or and basically just considered it a misdiagnosis. And I remember at that time I was so angry at the the medical system as well. And I've had to do a lot of internal work around, okay, if that practitioner is in his or that doctor is in his way of education and learning and being and and doesn't want to understand what my dad did to to heal his cancer, then I have to be at, at peace with that. But I did find myself in many times throughout my life just getting really frustrated with the medical system. And I've had to learn how to how to like move through that and regulate and send compassion and love to a system that feels very much um, disconnected from from a healing that or from allowing people to heal in a way that is supportive, if that if that makes sense. It makes a hundred percent sense. You know, I during COVID, I, don't, I did a 100 Corona Calm conversations. And within those, I also supported a lot of frontline workers that were working in hospitals. Mm-hmm. And they all just said, you know, we are trying to survive. We're following the policy. We're trying to get our W-2. And we don't know what else to do. But this isn't why they started. This isn't why I started this line of work. Mm-hmm. Things have shifted and things have changed in medicine. Uh, but they are trying the best that they possibly can. It also, I believe this pandemic has uh, prepped a lot of practitioners to step away and start their private clinics or even coaching practices as well. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. It's waking people up to the fact that there are other ways of healing and I'm all for Western medicine and I'm all for integrative mm-hmm. and functional <laughs> medicine as well. And I feel like there has to be that that bridge and the willingness to look at both um, and look, look like you talk a lot about looking back at the the trauma and childhood and these other sort of experiences that shape what occurs in the body and the manifestation of sickness as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, um, I always whenever I work with a client, I always am. What's your first memory of this specific diagnosis growing up? Mm-hmm. And how was that person's story? How did that person's story end up? 
And is that what, when you heard it about yourself, is that what you believed would be your faith? And it's, it's just incredible how that simple question allowed them just to realize how much they were projecting mm. themselves. Um, and then I usually suggest some work with their, like some therapy work to work with a therapist mm-hmm. so that they can go really deep into that. Um, I only do like very light emotional releases. But these mm. light emotional releases really support them in shaking up the work that they do with a therapist. Yeah, and I think I think that that's so important too, just because so often there is that fear that I've seen in a lot of my clients where they've had a parent pass of a certain sickness and then they take on the belief that it's genetic. And then in that experience, often manifest the same sickness, not recognizing that it's very much in embodied in that that fear that they're um, they're living out. And so I think that the therapy and going back and recognizing, okay, well, what was I taught growing up? What was my experience and witness of this certain sickness or this this lack of healing or ability to heal? And how have I witnessed that throughout my life? And what are the steps that I need to take to really be embodied in my truth that just because someone in my family had something doesn't mean that I necessarily have to manifest that experience myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's incredible that you're doing that. Would you say that the clients that come to you and they want to you know, work through that work, mm-hmm. um, what's the percentage that, that are ready to do the work or understand what the work is going to look like? Yeah, so it's interesting. In my practice, I would say most clients are ready and willing because once they've come to me, they kind of understand that the work that I'm doing is beyond the food and the movement. It's more of the the mind-body and understanding that our thoughts, our emotions create our behaviors and then our habits and only in the understanding, right, of, of how those things are manifesting in our our body that we then have the opportunity to take radical responsibility and to get out of sort of the autopilot experience that we're often in just from an unconscious place. And so I would say most of my clients are ready, but I have a lot of people that reach out that are kind of in that place of they're almost there. And that's Mm -hmm. why I work with, you know, several therapists that I can refer out to for these sort of specific um, needs as well, because I'm similar in that we can confront it, but then it's it's good good to work with someone who can do the past deeper work, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, when we were talking, talk, when you were mentioning the fears and you like the different thought processes, the way that I'm able to explain to a client who you know it's like on that fence, like the fence of like I'm ready to do the work or not, and is asking them like, what do you believe the difference between a thought and a prayer is? And they kind of just sit and think about it. So I'm going to ask you, Sarah, what do you believe the difference in a thought and a prayer is? So when I connect to that, it feels as if a thought is often a projection of the past, our childhood conditioning, media, societal conditioning, cultural conditioning and isn't necessarily my truth. And a prayer is more energetically aligned with intention. So it is what I deeply desire from the heart space, not the mind space. Mm. So 
I love that. And I love what that means for you. Mm-hmm. Energetically, they are just a frequency that we are projecting mm-hmm. onto yeah. ourselves in our reality. And I always say the difference between a thought, whether positive or negative, and a prayer are just the bookends, the formality of a prayer, right? Mm-hmm. How you start it, how you end it. Yeah. Um, so every thought you're thinking is praying for reality. So it is almost our duty to make sure that our thoughts are clean, our thoughts are our thoughts are ones that we want our reality to look like in the future. Mm-hmm. And if they're not, then find your team, find your healing army. I love that. I love that. So it's the thought that's, as I shared, it's like, it's that thought that's repeating over and over, which is sending out the prayer of the intention of what's being drawn yeah. back to us from the universe. Yeah. yeah. That mm-hmm. makes perfect sense. And it's it's so true. It's so interesting because I, my mom sent me all of these boxes from my high school years. And I remember high school was so hard for me, but I I just kept writing over and over my intentions, my affirmations. And I, I opened the book yesterday and it was like pictures I pulled from Architectural Digest of the house I want to have and all these things. I don't even know how I was conscious enough to create those sort of intentions. But I remember just reminding myself, okay, if I believe this to be true, that I can create a different reality, then it is actually possible. There's a lot of truths that happen, especially with a diagnosis, that they have to be sometimes rerouted because truths are rooted in identity also. And when our identity shifts, when let's pretend a diagnosis happens, whether to ourselves or someone that we really love, we have to shift our beliefs too. Because what we let's pretend we believed Let's just talk about cancer for a second. Cancer was a terminal diagnosis and then it happens to you. You kind of really want to change that belief immediately. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so interesting. And it, it's so interesting too how, and I'm curious in terms of the fear because people are feeling that so intensely that they might not even be able to change the thought because their body is just in the experience of fear in that moment. Mm-hmm. And so for the argument of, it's important to feel the feeling, right? Feel the fear, mm-hmm. feel the anger, feel the frustration. How are you working with people to kind of move them out of that fear in order to create a belief that potentially is is this higher vision that they desire for themselves? Yeah, so I actually break down fear first to then rise above it. So when they say I'm in, let's say I'm in fear that I'm going to, I'm going to pass okay, what about that? What about that is fearful? And I have them describe it to me. And then they, I'm, they, I'm, we, talk, we go through like the environment. So are you fearful of the bed that you're going to be in? No. Are you feel for, feel, fearful of the medication? No. We go through the whole environment. Then we go into their body. Then we go into their, their family member's body the family member's perception, and it's we're able to then take it to a singular place that's always outside of them, that they're fearful of, that then we can talk about the belief. So it's breaking it down. Most people say fear as a blanket statement, and right. it's really in, in breaking it down. So we have this seven layers of truth that I work through um, in order to break down the fear. And, yeah. and I teach them to do it um, so that they can do it all the time on their own. And they could also support their family members as well 
through going when they're going through this. It's there's nothing more empowering when they can empower the ones that they love. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's I think it's it's so important because even if I just notice, okay, I'm I'm starting to have anxiety about something, right? Mm-hmm. Until I actually break down the story under the story under the story in the story, it just is that blanket sort of consuming experience. And yet once we get to that root cause, we can often dissolve it much easier. Oh yeah. And so I absolutely love that. Oh, I'm yeah. sure you can there- do that for anxiety, stress, all the things. You can do it for anything. There's actually this website, themichaelteaching.com, that actually goes into vitality, tone, emotion, thoughts, and it's a scale because so many people say I'm depressed or I'm sad or fearful, and I'm like, okay, let's look at this. Let's. We're so quick as uh, humans, I would say, uh, in the states, to to use these really big, heavy words mm-hmm. when in reality mm-hmm. it could just be confusion or annoyance or resentment or remorse, threat, blame. And so that's a great chart for anybody who's looking to find the words or try to pinpoint the emotions, the michaelteachings.com. It's so awesome. It's called Michael's Teachings? The michaelteachings.com. Okay. Okay. That sounds sounds amazing. And another resource that I love, which we talked about before, was the Louise Hay work. And you had also mentioned when we were on the last call, the Carolyn Maine. Am I saying her name right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into into their work because I know it's it's true for you in terms of just understanding how often the body creates sickness based on a thought, based on the emotion, based on the childhood trauma, based on the experiences that are a play throughout our life. And often where we're in pain or where we manifest sickness is a correlation to those negative thoughts. And so if we dive just a little bit deeper into into that and how you work with clients around that, that would be amazing because I think that was such a massive transition in my healing work was when I started reading the affirmations that correlated to the parts of my body that were sick. Yeah. So, Okay. Anybody who's listening to today's podcast, please purchase one of these books that um, Sarah has mentioned because it is it should not be foreign to anyone living in this modern age not to understand their own body, their emotions, and the things that might be trapped. It is our birthright to understand our body. So please go and pick it up. There is um, a book that I recommend. It's the Carolyn Maid book. It's um, Emotional emotional release through essential oils. And I give it to every single client and every client swears by it. They're like, this is my new Bible. I put it next to my Bible. I see it with as much potency and power um, as my treatment plan is, as my family values are. And so whenever there is like an ache or pain in the body, I would say, go to the chart, find the place that your body is, is asking for your attention Mm-hmm. Find the emotional connection, find the essential oil, and then find the affirmation. And then we do a little routine and a ritual and what I call uh, sacred practice. So they, they've already been doing their sacred practice with me, and they go and they activate their sacred practice. Because nobody should, and I believe this, sorry, Sarah, I believe I should not know more than my client knows about their own body. And it mm-hmm. is my duty to help them understand their own body and to have to have the resources at their fingertips to be able to transform 
what's happening in their body. So when you start with, you know, what are the aches, what are the pains, what are the new, the new triggers in our body, um, then slowly they're able to address the bigger stuff, the bigger traumas, the bigger trapped emotions, the bigger releases. But slowly by slowly, um, slowly and slowly, as you are able to let go of those new aches and pains, you gain awareness that your body might have always been in this type of pain. And you're able to then connect with it rather than disattach from pain. I love that. It's so, it's so interesting too, because when we really start to believe that the wisdom of the body is the greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. And we recognize that the body is the lens or, or the portal into the deeper healing that's needed on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I think that American culture is so committed to pushing, going to the next thing, the stress, the worry, the like what's coming in the future that we have completely neglected the body and we've completely neglected the gift in which just sitting and being with the body and listening to the body gives us. And, And another thing that I love that you said was the idea that the, the, the client should have as much knowledge of the body as the practitioner. And and I think it's so important whenever you're going to work with someone that they're also under the belief of this is a co-creative process. This isn't me just giving you something and then you following along and being you know, upset or resenting the protocol that I'm giving you. This is like a, a co-creative process and the experience of helping you heal. And I'm I'm simply being here of service, but it's you that's taking it on and, and really embracing it. And I think that's when the also the mindset shifts because mm-hmm. the responsibility piece comes into play versus having to do something because your doctor is telling you. Absolutely. And you said it. You said it all. There's nothing I can add to that. That was perfect, Sarah. Um, There's so much potency and power and responsibility. And starting with those small aches and pains allow the belief to allow the body, the mind, the spirit to understand that, hey, I just transformed and changed one thing, small thing in my Mm. body. Imagine what I could do next. Imagine Mm. what what is possible. Um, Yeah. Do you find that people are often scared at first to listen to their body because of what maybe they might find out or what might unravel? And how do you work with people to move through that discomfort in the beginning? So, yeah, there's a lot of discomfort in, mm-hmm. in what we've been conditioned to believe as normal because then we start to realize how, how much we've suppressed for how long. So I remember doing a, and I'm gonna, I did a retreat in, or no, San Diego. And it was, I think, like 28 cancer patients. And we were transforming pain, helping them transform pain by just tapping into the, their limbic system and using essential oils to just find comfort and grounding. And it was just on grounding. And when, and all of them just looked at me like, this isn't going to work. What are you talking about? And I said, awesome. That's okay. If you don't believe this is going to work, that's totally okay. What do you believe that works? So you start off with what they do believe and how can you then shift that into the next higher, what I call um, healing paradigm. So I have Mm -hmm. like 10 healing paradigms and that is based on what all my clients have to one agree with. We have to be on the same vibrational frequency of these 10 healing paradigms in order for anything to work. And if they're not, 
I give them some homework and I hope that they're able to upgrade their frequency so that we can work together. So I went through these healing paradigms and like, yes, I believe that no one diagnosis has one treatment plan. Awesome. Um, do you believe that today's problem was yesterday's solution? And that's where I was able to get them to start to understand that just because we survived something in our past and we've learned to live with suppressed pain or emotional baggage or anything else like that does not mean that that is something we need to continue forward. It is not mm -hmm. today's, today's problem. We don't use yesterday's solution. We Today's problem is tomorrow's solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just having a flashback of a doctor I just went to go see in Santa Monica and he does energy medicine and I walked in and was telling him about, you know, my challenges and he was like, you're not, are you, like, are you enthusiastic to heal? Like, I need yeah. you to be enthusiastic. Like, you're going to heal this and we're going to get this, you know, get this fixed. And he was like, I want to feel the energy of your enthusiasm. And I could tell my energy shift because I walked in with the problem and he was like really trying to move me forward into the energy of of like excitement to be there. And then he slid this paper over uh, across the desk, and it was exactly similar to your ten, <laughs> your ten. Uh, what are they called? Paradigms or ten healing paradigms? Healing paradigms. And he was like, "If you're going to work with me, this is required." And I was like, "Okay, I'm in." <laughs> But it was that subtle shift of just walking into a doctor's office, feeling the experience of what a normal doctor's office would be of like, okay, is this another doctor on the, you know, on my path who's not going to believe that, you know, like I, I brought that energy to the experience right. and I had to shift that within myself while I was there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I love your doctor already. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome. So once they, they start to go, let's say, through these healing paradigms and it's little subtle shifts like, oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah, of course, I believe it. Yeah, 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 yeah. They get to a point where they possibilities have unlocked. They're like, oh, the same way that I believe these other things, I understand that I can also shift and believe something different. So that's the first layer that we go through. The second is just connecting to your body in order to transform anything in their body. Now, with these 28 cancer patients, I asked them, so they were all sitting on like yoga mats and everybody was either laying down or propped up with pillows. And I said, how many people here believe they are the yoga mat in the pillow? And almost all their hands went up. I said, how many of you all believe that you are a body sitting on the yoga mat? And it was like only like two, two people that believed that. And they were the two people living with terminal cancer. And so later on, I had conversations with the two terminal patients, but I asked them, okay, we need to ground. We need you to feel in your body. So I actually take shungite rods. Do you use shungite rods, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I do. Awesome. Yeah. So it's immediate grounding. Mm -hmm. So all these ladies, the ones that were like skeptical, like, can I really transform pain? They stood and they held these shungite rods and they just were like tears just coming down. Like, I've never felt grounded. I've never felt like my mind and my body was still like this since my diagnosis. What are these rods? Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until they could be completely still, could they then be open enough for healing, possibilities, opportunities, and everything else. And so I actually start in the little tiny micro pieces, what I consider my protocols for peace, that allow people to then have the environment, the internal environment to shift the external world. Mm -hmm.
Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about that really quick. I know we're like on the end of this and I could just talk to you for days. I wanted to ask you about the protocols for peace because what's so interesting is I feel like my work is a bridge to your work of the deeper healing where I'm starting people with the breath work, the meditation and visualization affirmations and kind of bridging them into expanding the awareness in order to do this deeper work. And so I wanted to to dive deep a little bit deeper into what these these um, protocols for peace are so that people could understand that there's this next layer of healing beyond the the meditation and um, some of these things that we're hearing quite a bit about now in today's wellness space. Yeah. So so all the work that you do with clients are in protocols for peace so you are mm. teaching them the edu- you're teaching them the embodiment of stepping into you know this level of healing and the the trust in the truth in one person in in you in one person helping them you know get there what protocols for peace are is only the deepest commitment to yourself that you are going to continue doing this for the rest of your life for the ultimate goal of health and peace peace for yourself, not for others, not even for family, but for yourself. And so a protocol mm-hmm. for peace is protocols for your life. I hate that term where they said life doesn't come with a manual. It's like, dang it, you can make your manual and that's called protocols for peace. <laughs> and you can absolutely do that. And so the protocols for peace, and I'll talk about one, it's called the outsider protocol. And the outsider protocol is something that I do with every single one of my uh, clients that has family over because one of the common things that I saw is when there's not a protocol for peace for outsiders, a house where there is a cancer patient, there's always like a gifting suite or a gifting corner. Think of like a celebrity gifting suite, okay? Mm -hmm. Like a gifting suite where like this neighbor down the street gave her like these bag of leaves to boil because she saw a Facebook post about how it healed this. Or somebody else said, I bought the supplement or this oil or this thing. Here you go. Here's 25 books. Watch this DVD. Here's a documentary. Here's a cap that you're supposed to wear. Here's a bracelet. Yet we are giving these mountains of information and information is just potential, potential action. You're giving them all these mountains of stuff and it's actually leaving the patient feel like they actually don't know anything. So how we stop that is having a protocol for peace for outsiders where anybody who walks through the door has to agree to these 10 healing paradigms for that specific household is one. I believe, um, I believe and I trust that my friend, my loved one that is going through this diagnosis knows best Two, I understand that, um, their treatment plan is private between them and their physician. And I will Mm -hmm. not ask. Three, I will double, triple check with the caregiver as to what food is allowed into this home before bringing anything. So I have 10 of them. And so that's just like the beginning part of it. And also, what are the conversations that are the no-go zones? They're not allowed to be spoken or or allowed within this house. And then at the bottom, if you break any of these protocols for peace in my home while I'm healing, you can see the door and we will escort you out. Wow. It's so powerful to hear you say this because those very similarly were what my dad put into place. Yeah. Like he basically just created this home where it was like, it was just, there were just no, not there, there was, it was just non-negotiable. The boundaries were so clear and 
I remember the neighbors getting triggered, our family members getting triggered, and you know, and there was no concern on his end for their discomfort. He was just like, I'm healing, stay out there. And I just love that he had that awareness 20 some years ago. It's so, so incredible. And I love that you're doing this work because when I hear these, my heart just expands because it truly is what someone needs when they're healing. It is like, it's so, so powerful. So I wanted to make sure that everyone can find you, you know, learn more about your work, get some of these resources if you have them available and, and all of that. So what are the best places for people to drop in and, um, and connect with you and learn more about your programs and, and all the amazing things that you're up to? Yeah, so they can follow me on Instagram at uh, healingmindset underscore. So find me on healingmindset on Instagram. And then on my website, JeanetteCarbajal.com. Um, you can find a healing mindset quiz where you can find out what's the next mindset shift you might want to embody in order to accelerate your healing. I love that. I actually am going to take that. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. Thank you yeah. so much for being here and just doing this work. It is so, so, so important. And I I just am I'm like, everyone needs this information. It doesn't matter if you have a recent diagnosis or you, you feel really healthy now. I mean, everything... Um, everything that you teach is so powerful for if you have someone else that's going through a challenge or, you know, it's something you're personally facing. And I just think that this would completely radically upgrade the medical system so quickly if if it was taught on, on a global scale. And so I know that that's in the works and, <laughs> and um, I'm just so, so grateful to have you in my life and for this this really powerful conversation. Thank you so much, Sarah, for having me. And thank you for you know, opening up the conversation and being willing to have some like really deep and potent conversations with not just me, but all of your experts. It is one of the most courageous things to do. And thank you for doing it for all of us. This was one of my most favorite conversations on the podcast. Jeanette reminded us of the powerful idea that sickness or medical diagnosis is the lens into a healing opportunity. It's a starting point for you to open up to the world of possibilities, and it's a call forward for you to start changing aspects of your life that are impacting your health. A diagnosis forces us, right, to consider our overall health and well-being and ask ourselves, where can I go deeper? What parts of me physically, emotionally, and spiritually need to be healed in order for me to create a healthier body? It's also a powerful opportunity to heal unresolved feelings from our past, the experiences that never got processed, the cords that never got cut, and the lineage patterns that beg to be healed. In my own life, I've recognized how being sick was truly a manifestation of what I needed to clear up internally. And for me, it was about letting go of the patterns that were looping again and again. And as Jeanette shared, This week, if you haven't yet, I encourage you to grab one of Louise Hayes or Carolyn Maine's book on understanding how releasing emotional patterns offers an opportunity to heal the physical body and sickness. And so I trust that understanding how our body manifests sickness will inspire you this week to truly step into a more empowered way of approaching your health and well-being. Again, sickness is simply the wake-up call to what emotions and past traumas are often trapped. 
and it allows us the opportunity again to heal deeper. And so if this week you're looking for community and you're looking for additional support or maybe to connect with other people, I invite you to join the awesome Inside Out Facebook group. It's a private safe space filled with beautiful hearts coming together to encourage and uplift one another. And for anyone who's already part of that group, thank you so much for helping us build such a beautiful community together. If you enjoyed today's conversation, I recommend listening to my recent episode with Biet Simkin on the power of meditation and how you can step in to your highest self. Further, drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more about? How can I support you? And of course, I want to celebrate you. So make sure to share the podcast and tag me so that I can reshare. You can find me on Instagram at Sarah Ann Stewart. And until next week, I'm sending you so much love, a massive virtual hug, and I trust that you will have an incredible, beautiful week of healing ahead. All right, that concludes this podcast. It is my honor to always share with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You are here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feeling of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. And if you benefit from it, it would mean the world to me if you could please spread this movement and share it with one person who you know would also benefit. We are all in this together, so thank you for being here and part of this movement.